Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Call for Freedom podcast on this Friday edition. Um, Really quickly, a little show update. Um, We're almost finished with uh, 1 Samuel. I believe we only have about three or four chapters left. And if you're new to the show, how this typically goes is we finish a chapter and then we summarize it for those who don't want to listen to every episode. Um, we'll do a basic summary. So you can hit that summary episode and it'll summarize pretty much the entire, I believe, 29 chapters in First Samuel. And then following that, I'm going to do an entire week of sort of American history. Um, what I typically do there is uh, a while back, I did two episodes on the buildup of the Revolutionary War and Lexington and Concord, and we're going we're gonna to pick up from there. So you'd have to kind of dive back into the archives to, um, to catch up on that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to reshare those episodes on Truth Social. I'm going to kind of rebroadcast them so you can click on those and get right into it uh, after we're done with First Samuel. But yeah, we're going to do an entire week of just American history. And then we're going to dive right back into 2 Samuel. Uh, If you guys want me to mix in more American history in the middle of a chapter of the Bible, then let me know on True Social. um, If you guys want to hear more of that more often. But if nobody reaches out to me, we're going to keep at this pace because I'm trying to get to the Gospels and the book of Revelation And that way we can get into more apologetics, um, more, I guess, end time prophecy, if you will, um, and how it correlates to current events. I'm not much of a prophecy uh, teacher guy, but um, I will go through some things that, you know, that'll kind of open your eyes a little bit. The whole idea is to bring you to the Lord, right? It's supposed to bring you to Christ and, you know, get ready for Jesus' return because nobody knows the day or the hour. So let's get right into this. Um, again, we only have like four more chapters of First Samuel. We're on First Samuel chapter 26, but in verse 9 through 11, the Bible says, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said furthermore, As the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Let's talk about it.
David spare Saul again. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hill of Hakalah, which is on the east of Jeshimon? So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, with three thousand chosen men of Israel, to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Hakalah, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, with Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying within the encampment, while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Amalek, or Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Who will go down with me into the camp to Saul? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. For the Lord forbid that I should put my hand out against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side and stood far off on the top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and to Abner the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king your lord. This thing that you have done is not good, and the lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not kept watch over, the, over your lord, the lord's anointed. And now, see where the king's spear is, and the jar of water that was at his head. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? 
what evil is on my hands. Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has stirred you against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now therefore let not my blood fall onto the earth, away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord. And may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way and Saul returned to his place. <sighs> Saul is a very confusing guy, right? He seems to be more like, he seems to be pretty bipolar, right? I mean, this is like the second or third time he's attempted to kill David. And yet David still spares him. And Saul is just kind of like, yeah. Hey, thank you, David. I respect you now. And then we go a couple, like maybe two more chapters and Saul's at it again. Um, Saul's crazy. But we talk about verse 9 and 11. When David said, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed? Back in chapter 24, David was conscious smitten because he had cut off a portion of King Saul's robe. While David handled that incident with Saul correctly, in the very next chapter he failed to apply the same principles to his dealings with Nabal. If you remember that from Wednesday's episode. Were it not for Nabal's wife, Abigail, David would have taken matters into his own hands. Rather than leaving vengeance to God alone, here in this chapter, we find David again in very, sim uh, in very similar circumstance. As God gives him another chance to do it right. And that is exactly what David does. David expresses eloquently that judgment belongs to the Lord, not to David, either directly or indirectly. Now let me pause here for a second, um, this commentary from Pastor Ed Ray. We, we have to remember, and this, this is where um, I know a lot of Christians 
um, and, and conservatives, you know, we, we don't necessarily agree with, you know, the, the homosexual lifestyle and, and all that other stuff. But remember something. We have to remember that judgment belongs to the Lord. Okay? We could tell them the truth. We can let them know, hey, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but it doesn't mean we can't be friends, right? But I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, you're telling the truth out of love. And we can't, we, we have to remember that judgment belongs to the Lord and not to us. So let the Lord handle it. I mean, in Romans, Romans 12 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's Romans 12, 17 through 19. Remember, God said vengeance is mine. So if God said vengeance is his, then what place do we have to bring vengeance on others? Remember, Judgment belongs to the Lord. Continuing on with Ed Ray's commentary, David came to understand that the sovereign God would decide when, where, and how Saul would perish. Not David. There is an ancient fable that reminds us to be careful of becoming enslaved to revenge. For many years, the horse had the grassy plain entirely to himself. But then a stag intruded into his domain and shared his pasture. The horse, desiring to revenge himself on the intruder, asked the man if he would be willing to help him. Punished the stag. The man replied that if the horse would receive a bit in his mouth and agree to carry him, he would contrive effective weapons against the stag. The horse consented and allowed the man to mount him. From that hour, he found that instead of obtaining revenge on the stag, he had enslaved himself to the service of man. When we allow the spirit of anger or revenge to consume our hearts, we allow ourselves to become enslaved. Lord, we want to serve you and you only today. In Jesus' name, amen.